We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. All right. Hey, can we do me? Can you do me a favor? Can you um, give a big, warm Hope Church worker welcome to Mr. Jeff Crowder? I, t- I told my wife, thank you, thank you. I told my beautiful wife Tracy not to go anywhere because in the last service, we we are really good in our family about just calling out the elephant in the room, you know, and. I'm not calling my wife or myself an elephant in the room, okay? But, but here's the thing. Of course, we were sitting here before we go going like, why are they going back to Iowa? So in the last service, I just took like 90 seconds to explain that. In this service, she gets to explain it. Wow, no heads up or anything. Um, gosh, I don't even know where to begin, so I'll try to do the 90 seconds. Um, first off, I just want to say I love this church. If this is your first time here, you really need to keep coming back because you guys are just the real deal. I look around and see faces that have just impacted my life, Um, just being real. This is an authentic place. Um, I'm grateful to have some of my family that are trickled here today from Montana, and I keep telling some of the family that are here in Montana that this is where it's at. And it's not the building. It's all of you that are in this are so real um, and so welcoming. But that's probably, what, 30 seconds now left. So um, the reality is that we're from Iowa. We've, God blessed us, moved us here for such a time. And MT and Pastor Lance, you are a big role in this. We came to this place um, not even realizing what God was really doing, but yet came to a place of healing. We needed just a place of healing. Um, and our kids, we're, we're going back, God is calling us back, and we're not going back the same. We've come here, and God just, he encountered us here on this mountaintop. And, uh, and really, he brought us to the mountain so we could see the whole view, the whole picture of, you know, what was done in the past is done. Where we are now, it's about to be done. We're about to move even further into our destiny, and, and we're fired up, we're excited. Yeah, bittersweet, I agree. Um, But about a month ago, God was just waking me up, um, just restless, and I couldn't sleep, couldn't sleep, and I just kept waking up at four in the morning, just sitting in a corner of my room, trying not to wake up. We have seven kids, and our three-year-old, I feel like, never sleeps, like, hard. So the minute you just kind of, she's up. So I was just kind of tiptoeing to the corner of my room, and I just began praying, God, why are you? I just knew. God was waking me up for purpose, and I'm like, is there somebody I'm supposed to pray for? What is that? And um, over a period of a couple weeks, he started showing me this picture of a property, a farm, that we had tried to go after about three or four years ago, and the doors just kept closing, kept closing, and God had put on my heart four years ago in the shower, I'll just be blunt, you know, that's your vulnerable places, I don't know if any of you ever, God drops a word I feel like in the shower for me all the time and so it's anointed in there so there's a plug for the house there you go but God just put in my spirit refuge acres we've done missions work in Haiti for a lot of a lot of years and um, he began to just show me Tracy read about right here and we've done foster care we've adopted seven children this far I always say when people say how many do you have I say seven and counting because God's not done he's not putting a lid on us he doesn't put a lid on you. There's, there's purpose in this, and 
I just thought, I don't know what that's going to look like, and kind of got discouraged because doors just weren't opening how I saw it to be. And um, we ended up, God took us down a whole different U-turn for healing and goodness, what an amazing, Pastor Lance is right, Montana, we're not done. We're not done here. This is, this was just kind of the stepping stone for what God's going to do next. And a lot of it was because of you guys in here that were just there and encouraging. So long story shorter is um, God began to show me that property again. And I thought, this is crazy. I've already, I've already talked to these people about that land and the door was closed, I thought. And I went to Jeff and I said, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I think God is wanting us to circle back to that property and I have urgency in my spirit. And I couldn't make sense of it. Don't you just love when God does that? <laughs> it's not in our own understanding. Um, so I just leaned into him more and I thought, okay, God, two weeks ago I said, I woke Jeff up and I said, all right, here's what's going to happen. We need to pray and I'm just going to, God knows how we work. He knows our details and I'm an overthinker. So for me, I'm like, I thought I knew that I knew, but I needed the Lord to like really show me that I knew that I knew. So I prayed that God would just use somebody in this church that I didn't know and that God would bring somebody and just confirm that, that would just say, you're about to move. I was specific. Like, I always, I just encourage you, pray specifically. God cares about that. He knows. And so I said, Jeff, this is going to sound crazy, but I'm going to pray that God just, either he's going to use Pastor Lance or something's going to be said. And I came here just boldly expecting it. Fast forward, trying to. Um, after service, God showed me a couple over here by the prayer banners and just, just pointed out a particular couple and said, you're to go pray with them. As that prayer started, you know, it was all good praying. And then at the very end, it was a woman that goes to this church who um, is from Thailand. Like, God was really making a point. Like, I'm going to bring somebody you don't know. I'm from a foreign country, too. And, but she's a part of this church, and she's amazing. And she looked at me, a little hesitant, but just bold in faith, and said, I don't know if it's going to mean anything, but I believe God's moving you. You guys are moving. Um, and at that point, I was done. And I knew. I just was like, all right, check. That's what's happening. Um, so now we ended up calling those landowners again, and I just said, hi, crazy blonde chick here again, wondering if that property is still available. And oh my word, the property has been vacant since I asked so many years ago, and it's not being used. And so at this point, God's just his timing. Now it's ready, it's available, and all the details are coming but we're essentially going and moving into that farm and we're just buckling up for the ride. And I'll tell you what, I'm shaking in my boots, my tennis shoes, whatever, because, you know, when God moves you, you go, it's obedience. And I'm scared to death, but I know who my daddy is. And I know, just like we're talking about in worship, I know he goes before us. And so every step we take is blind faith, but yet hold on because I'm excited I'm excited for you all to watch, not about Jeff and Tracy, but about what our Father can do. And those promises, he put that dream in here, but it wasn't for Tracy. It was refuge acres for the, the broken, for foster children, for the orphans out here. That, and we want to have a place where it bridges the gap between bio families and foster families, because foster families aren't better than the bio families. I could preach, and I'm going to stop, but... 
I'm just saying there's, there's gold in what God's kingdom is all about. And I love that we're pushing towards that. All right. So what y'all really want is my wife to come back and preach sometime. And I'm good with that. We want to come back and uh, stay connected with y'all because we do love you. And before we jump in the word, I just want to really emphasize that. I told Pastor Lance, you go from a season of being a pastor for, you know, a little over 20 years and then leaving that and then now having to find out where you belong and where you fit. And we were that church that was kind of like that sending church, you know, for other people. And now it's uh, finding a place that you can actually just call home you know, and, and finding a place that you go, this is, this is my church. And so the crazy thing is, is God brings us to Montana and I'm leaving going, my church is in Montana. I mean that. See, God did such a work with, in me here, like this is a place that is near and dear to my heart. So I just want you all to know, this is a good church. The spirit of God is in this place. And I just am so grateful to God that he sent us here. And I'm grateful for our relationship, Pastor Lance, and our friendship. It means more to me than you probably ever will know. And so love this church. So if you're visiting today and you're thinking about finding a church in the area, just stop looking. Because <laughs> this is the place I believe you should be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Thank you for your word today. Thank you that you want to speak to every single heart and life through the power of your Holy Spirit in this place. So, Father, I ask you to do just that. I pray that every person in this room hear exactly what you have for them to hear today, and then it transform their life in a powerful way like only you can do it. In Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you like to fly? Let me see your hands. All right, cool. I like to fly. It gets me places faster. <laughs> it's a good thing. I like to travel. Uh, we have a son who needs to go to uh, the children's hospital in uh, Seattle here in a couple months, and we're going to be, not a couple months, in, a, in two weeks. And so, um, a couple weeks. And we are going to be back in Iowa, so we're going to be flying back to Seattle. And I was looking at flights and stuff like that, and I was just kind of thinking about the whole flying experience. Have you ever really thought about what it's like to fly? I mean, you've, you've done it. I do it. You get in the routine. You're pretty comfortable, maybe. Maybe your first time, you know, you're all nervous, but if you've flown a lot, how many know that kind of settles down and things like that? And you ever think about this? We get like, I don't know how many people fit, fit on a plane, but a whole bunch of people, way too many, you know, if you ask me, because I like my space. How I many know what I'm talking about? And you got all these people on this plane putting their trust in some stranger that they've never met before in their life who's sitting somewhere behind some secret door <laughs> and you're just believing that he's actually there and that he's going to get you to the place that it says that you're to go and we just put our faith and confidence and trust in him and I'm good with that like I'm totally I've flown enough I'm chill man I, I read a book you know I don't think about nothing like turbulence that's eh, nothing you know I, I don't freak out about flying at all but I've noticed that sometimes when I fly, every now and then, I'll see this guy, that door pop open, and a guy in a white shirt with the little birdies hanging on his, you know, shirt there, and the little things in the hat, you know, he, he comes out, and that dude's a pilot. And have you ever thought about, whoa, wait a minute. I wasn't so concerned, and I'm pretty chill, and it's all good, but what are you doing back here, bro? Who's flying the plane? You know? 
And you've got this guy, you know, that's a co-pilot. But, you know, I said it in the first service. I'll say it in the second service. I've got a son who's in driver's ed who thinks he knows everything about driving right now. I'm not good with just handing him over the, you know, the controls. And just saying, oh, bro, you got it, man. You know just as much as dad. You got the skills, you know, all this kind of stuff. Oh, student drivers are awful. I'm telling you, I'm driving to church for the first service here this morning. My son is sitting here critiquing my driver driving. Shut up! You know, <laughs> that's what you just want to say to him. You know, it's like, what? you don't know how to drive yet. So I'm just telling you, I don't put my trust in any pilot who has co in front of it. All right? I want the real deal. So here's what I know. When we get to that point, in the flight where they say, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to make our final descent. Please make sure that your seats are in the upright position. Your tray tables are stored as they should be. Your stewardess and, and, and those folks are going to come through one last time to pick up the trash. And thank you for flying with us today. You know the little announcement. When we get to that place in the flight, I can tell you this. I do not want to see that guy with the white shirt with the little, you know, birdie things on it. You know, I don't want to see the wings. That's, what, that's the word I was looking for, wings. I don't want to see the pilot back there. I want to know that he is up front, paying attention, making sure he's going to land this thing where it's supposed to go. Autopilot's flipped off. The wheels are coming down as they should. The runway is clear, not because he's trusting the gauge, but because he can see the runway is clear. And we are going to land this thing just as it should be landed. How many know what I'm talking about? Would you agree with me? I need to know that somebody is paying attention to where we're going. I'm not good with landing on autopilot. I'm not good with that. And yet I wonder why so many times many of us go through life on autopilot paying no attention to where our life is headed. We're in this series called Prosperous Soul, and I think a lot of times we go through life and we flip the switch and pay no attention to our inner man, to our soul, to our mental well-being, to our emotions. We just think, oh, we can just coast and life and our life and our soul is just going to land and just and everything's going to work out as it's supposed to do. Can I tell you what happened if you don't pay attention to your soul? You're setting yourself up to crash and burn. It is not a good thing. I did that. You ever drive a car, you know, and you're going to work or something like that and you pull in the parking lot, you park there and you go, I don't remember the last 30 minutes of the drive. You know, I didn't see Joe at the corner asking for money today. You know, what, what is going on? How did I get to this place? Anybody ever been there? In my personal life, I'm here to tell you, I feel like there was a time where I just kind of went over a cliff, found myself at the bottom of a pit of despair, wondering how in the world have I gotten here and how will I get out? See, I'm here to tell you today, it is so very important that we begin to pay attention to our lives. Pay attention to the direction it is headed. Pay attention to your soul. That is why I'm so glad that Hope Church is doing this series right now called Prosperous Soul. Because this is the big deal. So many of us going through life not paying attention to our soul. You might have been there you may end up there I hope you don't but you could be in that place where I was that deep valley of despair that is so dark and you don't know how you got there if you don't pay attention to your soul and so today I want to talk about that for a little bit 
because I've been in that place wondering how in the world do I get out of here? And this is a big, big deal because emotional and mental well-being is something we don't talk about enough, but I'm here to tell you today, it is far too past time. I'm so glad we're talking about this. The church needs to be talking about this. You know that? The church needs people to stand up and say, you know what? People just aren't always okay. And it's okay, like pastor said, to be a part of a church where you're not okay. But hear me today, God doesn't want to keep you in that place. He wants to bring you through it. He wants to bring you out of it. He wants to set your feet on solid ground again. And we need the church to rise up and let the world know there is hope for you. If you are in that valley of despair, if you find yourself in a slimy pit, you don't have to stay there. And we need to be the body of Christ that reaches down a hand of hope and helps pull people out and find freedom in Jesus Christ. So I'm so glad we're talking about this today. So many people struggle in this area. And it's no respecter of persons. This concept of depression affects everyone equally. I mean, you go through your Bible and you can read about David and Elijah and Jeremiah, all who had depressive episodes in their lives. We have leaders like Abraham Lincoln and John Quincy Adams and Queen Victoria. I mean, Abraham Lincoln talked of suicide. I mean, great leaders like that in history. Bible theologians, people like Martin Luther and John Calvin and Charles Spurgeon, they all struggled with this. Crazy to think about. I mean, men of God, Christians, non-Christians, it makes no difference. Old, young, makes no difference. Rich, poor, makes no difference. It's a problem that plagues people because they're people. That's it. And it needs to be talked about. The National Institute of Mental Health says that this is the fourth leading cause, suicide. Suicide. And the reason why I say this is because in suicides, 90% depression is indicated in 90% of suicides. There was some kind of depression in that person's life. And this, this survey uh, or statistic from the National Institute of Mental Health says that in, in adults, 18 to 65, that suicide is the fourth leading cause of death. It's a big problem. It's a problem in our area. We've seen it as of late with young people. How, how sad. So I'm so glad that we're talking about it. So Pastor Lance said to me, he said, man, I'd love to share a little bit about this because as we've gotten to know each other, he knows a bit of my story. He knows what I went through. He knows that I, I was diagnosed clinically depressed. He knows that I was on meds. He knows that I, I went to counseling. He knows all that stuff. We talked to him. He goes, I think it'd be great if you share some of this. And to be honest with you, I told my wife last Sunday, he said, hey, my friend's going to come and he's going to talk about depression. I said, I feel a little boxed in. I love you, man. Because who wants to sit there? and talk about their stuff. It's depressing, right? <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> you know, it's not the most exciting thing for me to get up and share all my junk in my life and my garbage with all y'all. But here's the thing. Went through some stuff. Found myself in a deep, dark valley not knowing how to get out. And people that love me I was not myself. I wasn't treating them right. My wife is saying, what is wrong with you? Why are you going through this? What's going on? They want to understand. They care, but I couldn't even explain it. 
because I didn't get it. So what do you do? How do you get out of that place? I know what it's like to not want to live. I didn't want to live anymore. I wasn't suicidal. I was just, Jesus, please take me home. Some of you might get that. I didn't feel like I was any good to my family, any good to my church, any good to my friends. I didn't even really know if I had any. Didn't feel like I was very valuable. Didn't think I had anything to offer. Folks, that was a terrible place to be, and I didn't see any way out. I felt hopeless. I'm so thankful to God that he brought people into my life that loved me, that saw what was going on in me, that I was able to get the help I needed. I'm thankful for a doctor who looked across for me and said, Jeff, you're not in the right place, but don't do anything drastic because this is not who you are. We're going to work on helping you discover who you really are again. See? And, and, and I said, okay. And I didn't step out in faith with that person and say, okay, like feeling all better, like, oh, yay! I felt like, yeah, we'll see. But I held on for the ride. And I got the help I needed, so it's so important that we talk about this. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to spend more time talking about my pit I was in. I want to start telling you about how you can get out of the pit that you might be in today. Because I've discovered what's brought me there a little bit. And there's a lot of stuff. Can I tell you, depression is not caused by only one thing. There's not like one, hey, this is it, and this is what brings you depressed. It could be lots of different things. It could be events that have taken place in your life. You might have lost somebody that you really love very much. It could be COVID. It could be all sorts of stuff. For me, it was a buildup of stuff over time, over time, in which I wasn't paying attention. I was ignoring. I wasn't dealing with what I needed to deal with in my soul. I was saying that I was okay when I wasn't okay. You know what I mean. Some of you did it today. You walked in. Somebody said, hey, how are you today? I'm fine. And the truth is you had the worst morning ever. You know, you had your Krispy Kreme donut. That's my thing. I'm just telling you. It's a kryptonite. I try to stay away from it. And your dog took it and you just had an awful morning. <laughs> Stupid dog. We have one of those dogs that do stuff like that. But what is your response? I'm fine. When you're not fine. And it's way more than a Krispy Kreme. It's big stuff in your life, and you're not okay. And that was what happened with me, and it built and built and built until I found myself over that cliff trying to find my way out. So here's what I want to do today. I want to stop talking about my depression. And I want to talk to you about what the devil does and how he tries to keep you in that pit. And I want to make him so mad today because I'm going to shine a light on some darkness today. And if you're in this room today, if you're watching online today, and you're feeling like, man, I get you, I've been there, then listen up because you need to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to you today. Because I'm going to expose what I personally believe is the greatest trick that the enemy has in his playbook to get you into that place and to keep you there. And he does not want you to hear this today. But we're going to expose him today. We're going to speak truth in this place today. The Holy Spirit is going to touch some people today. That's what I'm believing for. Heavenly Father, let your spirit speak.
to those that need to hear this word today. We declare in this place today that Satan is a liar and he will be exposed for his lies. That truth will be revealed and the truth of God will set some people free in the name of Jesus. Amen. So here it is. Here's what I believe the greatest trick the devil has is. It's a little thing called identity theft. Long before the computer and before credit cards, there was somebody out trying to steal identities. And his name is Satan. And Satan is so good at this, and he wants to rob you of your identity. And he wants to cause you to believe things about yourself that just aren't true. He has one mission. Jesus said it like this. John 10, 10, he said the thief, he calls him a thief right there, comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. Do you know what he wants to steal, kill, and destroy? It's not a what, it's a who, it's you. That's his purpose. He, he lives on a mission to come and steal and to kill and destroy. He wants to rob you of your identity. He wants to steal every bit of joy that God wants to place in your heart. He wants to destroy your life. He is out to ruin you. We live in a day and age where we're so concerned about terrorism. Can I tell you, the greatest terrorist of all is one that we don't even pay attention to. It's Satan. We go through life not even realizing that he's plotting against you, even now. He knows exactly what to say to you. And this biggest tactic he's going to use against you is trying to rob you of your true identity in Christ. I want to talk about this for a little bit. This is not something new. This is not something that he just started, you know, recently. I want to tell you a story about a shepherd. Shepherd's out doing his thing. You ever think about different career choices? I ended up in ministry, but I've done a lot of different things, done sales. I think about things. I told you I was thinking about flying. When I was thinking about flying, I'm thinking, oh, I wonder what would like to be a flight pilot. I wonder what pilots make. I wonder what we have to do. I found out I'm too old. So you have to, you can be an old pilot, but you have to start at a certain age, those things to be a commercial pilot. But I look into that stuff, you know. I, see, I seriously, I see the garbage man going down the road. I wonder what that'd be like, you know, just kind of listen to your radio, you know, garbage truck. Now you don't even have to get out. Just, you know, done. I think it's cool, man. I listen to some podcasts, some sermons, you know. I think about these things, okay? So when I think about a shepherd, I think, what would it be like to be a shepherd? Walk around with your staff. But what do you do, really? You get together, you hang out with your buddies. Hey, Baba, what's up, black sheep? You're my favorite because you're the one who produces the most wool. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, what do you do as a shepherd? Well, you got this shepherd out there just doing his thing, hanging out with his sheep, walking around with his staff. I just can't imagine, like, it being that big of a life, you know? It's nothing glamorous about it. And he's out doing his, his thing, and God wants to talk to him. And I so love how God chooses to talk to him. Okay, let me tell you a little bit about myself. It's hard. To, okay, my, my teens can handle this. They probably know this. I, I love fire. <laughs> I'm a pyro. When I was a kid, I would get the wooden kitchen matches, the ones by the box, and I would take a handful of them, and I'd go in my bedroom, and I'd go up to the screen, and I'd be like, and I'd light a handful at once. And I'd put it in my 
my windowsill and I just watch my own little bonfire burn. I've never burned anybody's house down. I've never done arson, just so you know. I did start a garbage can and a field on fire, okay? God has forgiven me, it's okay. I grew up and I still like fire. I pastored a church that we prided ourselves in trying to reach God through the highest fire. I mean, we had the biggest bonfires in town. Well, I mean, we did the whole thing where we'd just make a big gas line all the way around the, and we'd watch it go. And then the whole church would be like, yeah! We were crazy, crazy church. So I like fire. <laughs> and so I love this story because God decides to get a hold of this shepherd. His name is Moses. And he gets a hold of his attention through fire. Cool. He like, he's out doing his thing, his shepherding thing. And over there is a bush and God pulls out the pyrotechnics and whoo, bush lights up. Awesome. Moses notices something crazy. Bush not burning. That's not normal. Interesting, right? And out of the bush comes this voice, Moses, Moses, and to which he replies, yes, Lord. God says, take off your sandals. We're about to have a really divine conversation. Cool. So Moses takes off his sandals and he enters into this conversation where God starts to speak to him. And it's found in Exodus chapter 3. And I want us to look at it starting with verse 7. This is what the Lord says. He says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up into the land, into good, a good spacious land flowing with milk and honey. The home of all the ites. We're just going to skip all the ites there. In verse 9, and it says, And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Let's just stop right there for a moment. God calls him. And I need to say this. Eureka's watching, right? Is that true? Yeah, that's what, that's what I thought. Okay. So... I feel like I'm right on with this. So I'm just going to take a moment here, folks. This morning I was up and I was going through this word. And I was looking at this again, and I really felt like God laid it in my heart. There's a woman in Eureka. At the Eureka campus, this word is for you. God sees you. He's concerned about you. He knows what's happening. And he's working on your behalf. You don't see him working right now, but he's at work. Just trust him. That's a word for someone at Eureka today. I hope you receive that today. Listen, that might be a word for somebody else in this place today. I want you to know something. God works on your behalf, even if you don't see it. He might be lighting a bush on fire right now. <laughs> that would be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, I told you I like fire. I think it would be really cool. So, so... I don't know what God is doing, but he's doing something, but Moses can't see it. And how does Moses respond to this conversation with God? This is what he says. It's verse 11. It says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He asked a question, and the question is this, who am I? And I think that's a question we need to ask ourselves today. You see, how would you answer that about yourself? Ask yourself, who am I? I don't think Moses is asking this question like, 
arrogantly with a lot of ego saying oh God you got the right guy because who am I well let me tell you God who I am no it wasn't like that I think it came out of his insecurities I think it came out of his doubts about who he is but where did those come from let's flash back we're not going to turn there you can do this go home and read your own Bible I, I, I don't know if we say this enough in church read your Bible you know this isn't, shouldn't, shouldn't be the only place that you're getting fed Go home and read your Bible. So go back to the story this week, why don't you? Go back to chapter 2 and read about who Moses was. But for the sake of time today, I'm going to tell you a little bit about who Moses was. Moses was a Hebrew that was born at a time that the Pharaoh was really scared, the Egyptian Pharaoh, that they were going to be overtaken by all the Hebrews. So he puts out this mandate to kill off all these boys, the baby boys that were born. Moses was one of those babies' boys that was born at that time. His mama saw something special in him. Mama puts him in a basket, sends him down the river. Sends him down the river. Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, sees him. Has him pulled out. Decides that she's going to raise him as Egyptian royalty. Hebrew should be growing, should be dead. If he manages to, to not die, should at the very least be a slave. But instead he's raised as Egyptian royalty. That's who he is. He grows up in the palace and he sees something one day. He sees a Hebrew being mistreated and something happens inside of him. This Egyptian is mistreating this Hebrew and Moses has this righteous anger that wells up inside of him. And Moses is like, I got to do something about it. Moses doesn't walk over and be like, hey, what is your problem? Why are you picking on him? You know what Moses does? He looks around. And he sees that nobody's looking. Do you know that's called premeditated? See, I can get it, like the idea, like I can wrap my head around being a man of God and losing my temper because I've done it a few times. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, just me, okay. But he goes to this stream where he's going to kill a guy, and he does. And he murders this guy, and he buries his body. And then all of a sudden the Pharaoh finds out about it and Moses is on a run. He's a fugitive from justice, you know? He's running, looking over his shoulder, thinking that he's going to die. Along this journey to a place called Midian, he comes across these girls, these sisters that are drawing water from a well. They're drawing water from a well and Moses sees once again another group of shepherds picking on these girls. And so Moses, the Bible says, I like this, catch this, he came to the rescue. He's a rescuer. And he runs these guys off. And then he, after he runs them off, he goes and gets the water for them and takes it to take care of the sheep. That's pretty cool. What a dude, right? He's not all bad. Now he finds himself as a shepherd hanging out here doing the whole shepherd thing with Babette, black sheep, and you know, the one with all the wool. That's He's doing his thing. And when he's doing his thing, God speaks to him, he calls him, and he gives him this great challenge and, and mission that he is going to be used as a deliverer. And Moses responds, who am I? And he couldn't wrap his head around that. Do you know why? Because I think he spent a lot of times on the backside of the field with the devil speaking into his head. How many know if you're a shepherd, I think he probably got a lot of time to be in your head. A lot of time to think. To think about wondering who in the world you really are. Moses had a child. I think it's interesting that he named his child after him, not after his name. His child didn't take the name Moses. His child took the name of Moses' feelings about himself. 
He gave, he named his son after how he identified himself. He named him Gershon, which means alien in a foreign land. He felt like a guy that just didn't belong. He, he felt like a guy with an identity crisis. And so Moses has got all this stuff going on. He's a murderer. I wonder what he thought about over the years. I wonder, I mean, I, I do. I wonder if he's like, I wonder if that guy had a wife and kids. I wonder if his mama cried many nights of sleep because of the loss of her son because of some dude named Moses who couldn't keep his be angry and sin not. <laughs> Let's just call it what it was. Murder was still a sin. It might have came out of a place of righteous anger, but he sinned. So I think Moses probably looked at his life and he couldn't see past his sin. He couldn't see past his, his, his faults. I don't think he could see past the fact that he had a speech impediment, kind of like me. I had to be in speech class till I was like, gosh, all through school almost, you know, because I couldn't talk right. And then God uses me to preach. How crazy is that? But Moses couldn't see past all those things. He formulated an identity, and it was shaped upon the experiences of his life up to this point. Can I tell you something? This is what Satan will do. Hear me. You need to know this. Because it's so easy when you find yourself in that pit, and you start believing all these lies to say, but, but it's true. Satan will feed you lies that are based out of true experiences in your life. You hear me? He will take truths of your life and use it to tell you lies about yourself. See, a truth of my life was the fact that when I was a young boy, I was put in a situation with an uncle where he introduced me to pornography and masturbation and thought that would be really cool to do with his nephew. That's awful, folks. And there was bondage in my life. Now, can we just be real and speak? Well, I hope so, because I'm going to be. <laughs> And then I may not be welcome back in Montana. <laughs> but here's the deal. I liked looking at the stuff. You need to hear this. Because there's some people in, you, uh, in this room today that you, it has a hold on your life. You're in bondage to it. And then if you like it, God forbid, then all of a sudden you feel shame with that. And you're now all of a sudden, you, you're seeing yourself in a way that God doesn't see you. You're calling yourself a pervert. And God says, you never were meant to be in that bedroom with the uncle in the first place. That's not you. That's not who you are. That is an event. That is a moment that happened in your life that should have never happened. But the devil will twist that into an identity. I grew up in a home with a father who was checked out. We didn't have much of a relationship. He didn't do stuff with me. Then my wife has this calling on her heart and her life to take in the orphans. And I'm sitting here feeling like there's no way I can do this. Why? Because I didn't feel like I could be a good dad. I embraced an identity out of truth in my life. Are you with me? You see how sneaky he is? The devil's a sneaky monster, folks. He'll slither right in and he'll use truth to tell you lies. I took all this stuff on in my life that I should have never taken on. I've made financial mistakes in my life. I wonder if anybody else has ever done that. But I felt such a burden to be a provider that I felt like I was a failure, not realizing that God's supposed to be my provider. 
You see, I bought into lies that the devil would tell me. I pastored a church and I had people leave my church and all of a sudden I feel like a bad leader. I had friends betray me, walk out on our friendship that we had done life with. You know what that made me feel? It told me a lie that I'm not worthy of being loved and I'm not worthy of true friendship. Do you see what the devil does? He takes real stuff, real moments, real situations in our life, but he twists it and he feeds us lies about ourselves. You see a dream that doesn't come to pass and all of a sudden you feel like you're not good enough for God to use you. That's how he plays. He's sneaky. What about you? What's the lies he's been telling you about you? Did you have you made some mistakes in your life? Let me tell you. You're not alone. I'm here. <laughs> but can I tell you something? You're not your mistake. Have you sinned? We all have. Every single one of us. We all fall short of the glory of God. But can I tell you something? There is one that goes to the Heavenly Father on your behalf. There's one that went to the cross on your behalf. He did it so that he could save you from your sins. If you've been saved, guess what? You're no longer a sinner. You're now called a saint. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. But it's true. That's the truth. And you've got to buy into those kind of truths today. You see, Satan, he's, he's a farmer. He likes to plant seed. He plants seeds in your thoughts. And then he gets you to believe that they're your thoughts. That you're telling yourself all this stuff based on what you perceive as the truths based out of your reality, your experiences, your childhood, all these things that have been shaped you over time. He'll plant these things in your head and then it will grow. And it's not going to be positive because the devil doesn't want you to believe anything positive in your life. It's going to be something nasty and ugly. And you know what? He will grow that thing in your life. And when he grows that thing in your life, it will manifest and there will be a harvest of something we call condemnation, something called shame. And that's what he does to keep you in that pit of despair. He lies to you. So today, in the next few moments that we have together, I want to give you hope. I want to give you three things. There's nothing magical about three things. <laughs> Pastors have three things a lot. There's nothing magical about it. But there's three things I want to share with you today that I believe will help you. I want to encourage you to do this. Number one, begin to know who you are by knowing whose you are. Do you know the most important thing I can know? Is who I am in Christ. Let me tell you who I am. I'm adopted. And I won the jackpot, folks. I have seven children that were adopted. Pray for them. <laughs> because I'm their daddy. But listen... I was adopted. And do you know who my daddy is? Almighty God. No, no, do you know who my daddy is? Let me tell you who my daddy is. Because when I tell you who my daddy is, then all of a sudden you'll understand a little bit more about who I am. You see, my daddy is the king. 
He's not the king. He's not like Elvis king. No, he's not that king. My daddy is the king of all kings. He's the ruler of the entire universe. At his name, one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue will confess that he is king of kings and lord of lords. That's who my daddy is. Do you know who that makes me? Do you know who you're looking at today? I'm royalty. I'm a prince. I'm a son. And I'm a son of someone who loved me so much. I'm a son of someone who chose me. I'm a son, a son of someone who still sees my faults, my failures, my mistakes, everything I've done wrong. And he still calls me. He still has a divine plan and purpose for my life. That's who I am. Do you know who you are today? You're a son as well. You're a daughter as well. If you're a child of God, you are a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, you may not be perfect, but you have a righteousness about you. That means you're right with God. It's okay, not because of all the stuff you've done, but because of who Jesus is. It's a righteousness not found in you, but a righteousness that comes from Christ Jesus, and it's imparted unto you. That's exciting, church. You're valuable. You're his special treasure. He calls you the apple of his eye. Because of who your daddy is, you don't need to lack for anything. He'll, he equips you for everything he wants you to do. You're not defined by your past today. Hear me. You are not defined by your past, but you are defined by who you are in Christ. And he says, I know you and I love you and I have a plan for you and a purpose for you. And it's a good one. And there is hope for you and you have a great future. That's who you are, folks. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are an overcomer. You are a victor. You're somebody special, folks. Do you know who you are? You need to know who you are. And it starts by knowing whose you are. Second thing. I want to encourage you to begin to flip the script. What does that mean? That means Satan is done writing your story. I'm so mad at him. I hate him. I hate the devil because for far too many years he stole it so much from me he stole my joy he stole my purpose he stole my peace but he doesn't get around me anymore folks because I'm flipping the script and him the days of him writing my story are over you see I yanked the pen out of his hand and I put it in God's and now he gets to continue writing my story Turn to your neighbor and say, Satan's done with writing my story. Tell him. Now y'all need to practice. You don't sound like you mean it. <laughs> Flip the script. Don't let him write your story anymore. Just a couple more things I'm going to share and we'll be done. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 22. He gives us a couple commands. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He says, that's the first command. And he says, there's another one. It's we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. 
This second command is interesting to me because it's twofold. We're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. You see, we're okay with the idea of loving God, right? You came to church, we're okay with that. We love God, right? Can I tell you something? I can tell there's a lot of people in this room that love God. We have a little harder time sometimes loving other people. Isn't that true? But this idea almost sounds selfish, as I love myself? If you look at the original language, Jesus is actually saying in the same manner that you love yourself. Love others in the same manner that you love you. So let me ask you today, how good are you at loving you? You see, again, this is where we need to pay attention. We go through life and we do life and we get caught up in this identity and these lies that the devil wants to feed us and, and we just kick it through autopilot and we don't take enough time to love ourselves. But can I tell you, that's how you're going to restore your soul. You need to pay attention to your soul. You need to pay attention to your mental, your emotional, your well-being. You need to fuel yourself with things that are positive. Whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is excellent. You need to start pouring those things into your life. You need to begin to love yourself. Proverbs says this. It says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, that there is power of life and death in the tongue. There's power in your words. And oftentimes we might read that and we think, okay, so I need to be careful how I talk to my kids or how I talk to my wife or how do I talk to my coworkers. Let me ask you something. How careful are you about how you talk to you? What are you saying to yourself about yourself? There's, there's something about speaking life into yourself. But for far too many of us, we end up speaking death words over ourselves. Hear me today. Because of those things that the devil has spoken to you, because of those lies he's trying to get you to believe is truth about you, because he's robbing your identity, he has a... He, do, you, do you realize you become his ally? You begin to speak death over yourself? Stop it! Stop doing it! Begin speaking life over yourself. Begin telling yourself, reminding yourself. Get up every day and remind yourself who I am. You may not be the person your spouse said you were last night. You may not be the person your boss says you are. You may not be that awful daddy that your kids think you are. You got to get up in the morning and tell yourself who you are in Jesus Christ. Spend time sitting with him. Let him download something into you. And when he doesn't, you speak it over yourself. Speak life into you. Let him transform you. Third thing. And then I want you to begin to surrender and say yes to God. Moses, who he knew who he was, he knew who his God was. And yet he still argued for a while. You ever argue with God? No, none of you. Okay. He argued for a while, but finally God met him in every one of his arguments. And, and Moses, I think, realized he's met his match with God. And he finally surrenders and he says yes to God. But I love this. Verse 12, God says this, I will be with you. You see, Moses didn't have to go on this journey alone, but he had a God who promised to be faithful and walk out the journey with him. So if you're here today, 
journey up out of that pit. You need to find your way out of that valley of despair. You need to begin to start writing a different story and taking the pen out of the hands of the evil adversary of yours. You want to begin that work and you want God to start to restore your soul, to do something in it. You're ready to say, I'm done living where I'm at, but I'm ready to start to prosper once again. You see, Jesus, we, we talked about John 10, 10. He said that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But there's more to that verse. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. I've come to give you your best life yet. Hear me today. I believe without a shadow of a doubt for every single person in this room today, your best days do not have to be behind you. Your best days can totally be ahead of you. With God, your best days are in front of you. Are you hearing me today? He wants to give you life. He wants to give you life to the fullest. How many are ready for that life? Come on, if that's you, stand to your feet. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for who we are in you. We thank you for who you say we are. We thank you, God, that you are greater than anything the devil wants to throw at us. God, I'm living, breathing example that I thought my time of you using me on this earth is done. But you stay different, and all that matters is what you say, God. So church, could we just start this, this closing time like this and just say thank you, God. Thank you that you call me son. Thank you that you call me your daughter. Thank you that even though I don't feel lovely, you love me in spite of me. You call me, you chose me, you want me. You have more for me, and it's a good thing. So thank you, God. If you're in this room today and you don't know what it's like to walk with Jesus, I want to encourage you to give your life to him. You see, you're looking for a way out. He is the way. He's the truth that you need. He's the life that you're looking for. You need Jesus today. If you want to invite Jesus into your life, pray a prayer like this with me. I'll pray, but I want you to pray your own words as you, as you stand there today. Say it the way you would say it. Jesus gets you. He made you. But just tell him, Jesus, I need you. I believe you died for me. I believe you love me. I believe you forgive me, so forgive me, God. Come into my life. I want you. I want the life you have for me. I surrender to you. I give my life to you. Surrender and say yes today. And when you do that, you will begin the journey of a lifetime. And listen to me, listen to me. This is my last Sunday. I'm gonna take every minute I can get. Listen to me. You're probably not.
not going to walk out of this room today. Matter of fact, I'm just going to tell you, you won't. And everything's going to be easy. Because that's not what Jesus promises us. He says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You'll still have trouble. Trouble's not a respecter of persons either. You'll have difficult days. That enemy is not going to just let you off the hook. He's going to come after you. He's going to chase you. And he's going to come after you with full force and everything he got. And that's why you need to see it for what it is. You need to understand that he is a liar. Even if it's coming out of a place of truth, you need to understand that it is a twisted view of truth. But what matters is who you are in God. But he will come after you. That's why you need to know that you need to rise up against him. And you need to begin to speak truth where he starts to feed you lies. And it won't always be easy. But you have this promise. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm going to grab your hand and I will walk out this journey with you. That's a promise for everybody in this room today. Aren't you thankful for it? Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com slash give. Also follow us on social media at Hope Church MT. Be blessed and have a great week.